Real credit card questions require real people, someone who understands your issues and works to resolve them with you. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. Discover, exceptionally common sense. How much has life changed for us? Like, I'm trying to figure out how to explain to someone who's not from here how good it feels now because of how bad it's been for 20 years. Well, let me tell you, this is the best way I can describe it. I've lived my whole life, and now I'm getting season tickets. Now I'm here at the draft. Now I'm calling my friends every single day, every single play. I'm talking, I'm texting, I'm hanging out. That's what it's like. This fan base, I think, touches like so many corners of the world. You go to any city in the world, you go to Browns Backers Bar. Everyone loves an underdog, and everyone's been rooting for the Browns for a long time, and everyone's ready to see us finally see that success. We finally got a real culture, a guy that really actually knows football, know how to utilize strengths and weaknesses of players, and not only that, he a leader of men. And now for something completely different. With few exceptions, I've started every episode of this podcast with some story or antidote about the Browns being depressing and dysfunctional. But today will be different. They're going to be good, like for real, for real. They have a plan, good people making decisions, organizational stability. Heck, I feel like Ricky Bobby in his first TV interview. I'm not sure what to do with my hands. So let's just get into the good stuff. New Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski. People dig that guy. I feel great about the coach. The coach is an adult. That's our buddy, Mike Polk. He's a silver fox. Everybody's aunt in Cleveland is bananas about him. The ants love the ski. You know the ants love the ski. It's not just ants either. Listen, I'm comfortable enough with myself to admit it. Kevin is a handsome dude. And on top of his looks, he's a fantastic freaking coach. And the 2020 AP Coach of the Year is... Kevin Stefanski, Cleveland Browns, yeah! Stefanski was a huge part of the Browns not sucking in 2020, a year when literally everything else in our world sucked. Then there's GM Andrew Barry, a whole bunch of players, and the fans, of course, who got the Browns to finally go from this. You got to work. You can't have that crap that we had today. Breaking down, Jerry. Quit sucking, you guys. One, two, three. Focus! To this. For the first time in 18 years, the Cleveland Browns are going to the playoffs. The drought is over. Welcome to the playoffs, kids. We're kicking the Steelers' ass and headed to Brownstown. So who is Kevin Stefanski? The man who led the Browns from their perennial home in the basement to a legitimate football team? Stefanski was a longtime position coach turned interim O coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. Sounds a little like Freddie Kitchens, you say? You're just traumatized from the last 20 years of bullshit. Stop it. Get some help. Jim Donovan explains how the two could not have been more different. He wasn't like Freddie Kitchens. Hey, you're the running backs coach, then you're the offensive coordinator, and two weeks later, you're the head coach of the team. This guy was, he was a chief of staff. He was a quality control guy offensively. He coached tight ends. He coached wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, coordinator. I mean, he really paid his dues in a very quiet, efficient way. So was he ready? Yeah, he was really ready. And so Stefanski was the guy. He's just got a really intelligent way. He's very cool, very calm, but he's very, very intelligent. And they have bought into it. If we're keeping track at home, Stefanski's hiring filled the second position of the good football triumvirate, head coach and quarterback. All that was left was GM. Welcome back to Berea, Andrew Barry. Here's Mary Kay Cabot. Andrew Barry comes back into the fold from Philadelphia. 
He works with what he considers to be the best GM in the NFL and Howie Roseman. He learns all kinds of things. He brings an expanded growth mindset back to the Cleveland Browns. He knows much more now than he did when he was 28 years old. In January 2020, the Browns made Andrew Barry the youngest GM in history at the tender age of 32. He'd previously worked under Sashi Brown in Cleveland during the miserable 2017 season. Football infamy for the 2017 Cleveland Browns. But it picked up a few tricks and a Super Bowl ring in Philly in the meantime. This wasn't a shotgun marriage between Stefanski and Barry either, like it was between so many coach-GM combos before. Terry Pluto knows the two had been sliding into each other's DMs. Barry and Stefanski had been kind of texting and stuff during the previous year when Barry was in Philadelphia and Kevin was there. In fact, they used to joke that it would be fun to work together. So when they're having a disagreement, it, it, it won't be like one guy will not completely be dumbfounded by the other guys wanting to go in this direction because you're coming out of the, you know, the, the, the same book, as I would say. With the GM, head coach, and quarterback all settled, expectations began to creep up again. This time, there were no SI covers, but the fans, as always, were fucking amped for the start of 2020. And I'm having a hell of an offseason. I'm getting to an enjoy, a genuinely enjoy an offseason, not just in a hopeful, hypothetical way like we usually have to, just dreaming of things. I'm getting to base the dreams I'm having during this offseason on actual evidence from the past. This is what it feels like to enjoy a good football team in the offseason. And I forgot what it felt like. But then... First, we have an update on the spread of the deadly coronavirus. Now, a short time ago, the World Health Organization declared the outbreak an international public health emergency. I'm going to skip the living nightmare that was most of the pandemic, which is still going on, by the way. Go get your fucking vaccine, Aaron. But obviously, the virus affected the NFL and the Browns. The vast majority of teams deciding already that there will be no fans at all allowed inside the stadium for the games, at least not for the first couple of weeks. In addition, players, coaches, and staff will be tested daily for the foreseeable future. Zoom meetings and socially distanced practices are not the best way to start your first season as an NFL head coach. If you guessed that the Browns would not win their 16th consecutive season opener, Mayfield is sacked. Tyus Bowser never gave up on the play. He's stuck with the QB, and the Browns will hand over the ball on downs. You'd be right. A 38-6 drubbing at the hands of the Ravens. This time, though, Stefanski had the wherewithal to right the ship. The Browns then rattled off four straight wins after the week one debacle. You have to have a good football team to win football games. So Kevin Stefanski had that going for him. But then you add in everything else, okay? Kevin Stefanski is just, he's cool, calm, collected, unflappable, and that's what you needed in year COVID. I mean... In the middle of a pandemic, you need a guy like that. And and he was able to handle that. I shudder to think of what would have happened if Freddie would have been the head coach in the COVID year. It would have been a nightmare. Unflappable is good when you're the Browns coach and certainly when players and coaches kept missing time with COVID. Adversity was in full bloom. Nick Chubb went down for six weeks with a knee injury in Dallas in week four. They lost OBJ for the season in week eight and had to play the Jets with literally zero receivers eligible because of COVID rules in Week 16. Unlike other years when adversity would have sent the team straight to the bottom of the standings, it all culminated in a 10-5 and record heading to the final game of the season, at home against Pittsburgh. Win, and the Browns would break their 18-year playoff drought. Lose, and, well, the Browns. 
But for once, for one glorious year, the Browns got lucky. They had a few lucky breaks along the way. The Pittsburgh Steelers rested all their starters in the finale. So the Steelers did them a favor. If I had been the Steelers, I would have tried to win that football game. You don't want to let the monster of the Cleveland Browns into the playoffs. The Browns jumped out to a 24-9 lead. Still, despite the fact that the Browns had everything to play for and the Steelers were resting their starters, it all came down to a two-point conversion to tie it in the last minute of play. Because, well, of course it did. Rudolph fires it too high. The Cleveland Browns are going to the playoffs. Playoffs, baby. The Browns' first playoff opponent since they played the Steelers in Pittsburgh in the 2002 wildcard game was, you guessed it, the Steelers in Pittsburgh in the wildcard game with all their starters playing this time. God hates the Browns. And us fans, we hate the Steelers. A fan followed me home and I was scared. I was I'm like, I ain't about to run in my house. What is it? And he ran it up with a jersey. I was like, oh man, thank you. Thank you. He's like, beat those Steelers, man, because my family from there and I gotta deal with it. But back to God hating Cleveland. The Tuesday before the playoff game, COVID ripped through the Browns locker room. Five coaches, including head coach Stefanski, Pro Bowl guard Joel Batonio, and defensive back Denzel Ward. Backup corner Kevin Johnson and wide receiver Kadero Hodge would all be forced to miss the biggest game the Browns had played in almost 20 years. Special teams coach Mike Prefer, who grew up a Browns fan, took the head coaching duties. And the Browns signed someone named Michael Dunn to start at left guard. With every conceivable odd stacked against them, could the Browns finally get revenge for the dozens of times the Steelers have ruined their season? Steelers wideout and TikTok enthusiast Juju Smith-Schuster didn't think so. Do you feel like this Browns team is has a different vibe, a more successful vibe than what you've seen in the past from them? Nah, I think they're still the same Browns team I play every year. I think they're nameless great faces. Um, yes, they have a couple good players on, on their team, but at the end of the day, like, I don't, I don't know, like, it's, it's the Browns, it's the Browns. Talk shit, get hit, Juju. And they start with a horrible snap all the way back to the two-yard line, and the Browns bounce it into the end zone where they wind up with a touchdown. So the first snap I pounce, he goes over Roethlisberger's head, and I think I blacked out. I started screaming swear words, and I was like, Going nuts, screaming at the top of my lungs, doing the Conor McGregor walk, like everything. And I turn around and I got three guys looking at me like this, like, dude, you okay? Like, bro, it's the first play of the game. Calm down, Chris Rose. It was just the first play of the game. And this is the Browns. You don't just quit the blown lead addiction cold turkey like that. But then it'd be 14 nothing. And Jarvis Landry has a touchdown. 21 nothing. Green Hunt moves his way into the end zone. 28 nothing. He's inside the park. He's in the end zone again. Hunt for the touchdown. And they're like, oh my God, Rose, this, this is great. This is going to be unbelievable. And then the Steelers started coming back. And I think they were really afraid for my mental health at that point. Like when it got down to 11, they're like, Rose, when do you start to panic? I'm like, about a touchdown ago. Well, I know it's the cliche of cliches. Nothing lasts forever. So sooner or later, sooner or later, it took 18 years. What a night. We got through it and we had a great show. And we had Joe Thomas, who had been about 
10 beers deep on the show. So it was fun. Everybody had fun, Chris. Everyone beating the Steelers and then and seeing Big Ben sit on the sideline with his head down. And I go, that was our Super Bowl right there. My entire family, we watch that. Every once in a while, my kids will, will drop a cuss word and be like, holy shit, dad, who is this? I go, I don't, I don't know who this team is. To get a win in the playoffs is fantastic. To get a win over your rival in Pittsburgh in the playoffs is almost indescribable. Beating the Steelers, beating them the way they did, just the, the shock and awe of, wow, this is really happening. Beat. Uh, I went around at Ben's head. I made so much freaking noise. And, I, and I'm out on like the sex store, runs out to the his like backyard, yells, I said, the Browns are back inside. And then they scored again. And then he runs out and he goes, Mr. Andrew, Browns today. Like, yes. The Browns didn't just make the playoffs. They made the playoffs, won their first playoff game and put a whooping on the rival Steelers. Yeah, we lost the next week to the defending champion Chiefs. But it was close. It came down to a fourth and one. Then he rolling out, throws it. Hell! And the Chiefs are heading to the AFC Championship game. Despite the end, Barry Stefanski, Mayfield, Chubb, Garrett, Ward, and Landry are a real foundation of a football team. An identity that matches the toughness and perseverance of the fan base that has stuck with this team through 20 years of the worst damn football imaginable. Even now, right, as we sit here, we think the Browns are good. Well, they're still developing an identity. No, Zach. They still need to stick with something for two or three years before we can say this is about to be an eight, ten year run of golden era of Browns football. Please don't, Zach. And until a coach other than Hugh Jackson makes it three years, we just don't believe it. And frankly, the one year they were good, Ownership wasn't really allowed in the building. <laughs> Zach, just let us have this for one second. There is that concern that they were just too impatient and too meddling, and they're going to have to bury that over time with results because the early results were laughably bad. Maybe the fans are too impatient and meddling, but who can blame us? Browns fans have been traumatized for 60 years. We've lived through Art Modell stealing the team from the city in the 90s, an embarrassing return to the league as an expansion team, and mistake after mistake after heartbreak after draft bust. And yet, we are still fucking here. Believing in this team more than ever. Above everything else through all the bullshit, Browns fans are fucking loyal to the end. Cleveland was the only team that did an event called the Browns Backers. I used to love going to the Browns Backers during the offseason. Yeah, I'm going to fly to New York to the fans there or this part of Ohio, or this part of PA, Browns backers, and these fans that really support Browns fans. You want to see the city, the fans, because Cleveland's one of the most poverty cities around. The state of Ohio, period. I used to ride through the hood, bad neighborhoods before my game all the time in Cleveland on the way to the stadium, just just because, you know what I'm saying? Just to be like, man, they appreciate it. Especially right after the game. Cleveland's the only fucking team that has valet service under the stadium at the game. And then when you come out, the fans are right there. So I used to always roll my window down and find balls, find balls, and take my time because I always felt like if it wasn't for the fans, we wouldn't be who we were. Period. You ever love something so much it hurts? That's us. A city and a people who have been overlooked and laughed at for 60 years because, well, we're not Chicago, New York, or L.A. We're proud of who we are. 
And believe it or not, despite the 700 quarterbacks, the dysfunctional ownership, and continual heartbreak, we're going to do this shit until the day we die. Because if this team ever makes it to the Super Bowl and God willing wins one, (laughs) we're going to party harder than anyone has ever partied before. So if you've made it to the end of this and you're not a Browns fan, I've got an offer for you. It's a ticket with your name on it to hop on the Browns bandwagon. I want to make this clear to everybody. We classic Browns fans who have been watching this miserable team all this time. On behalf of all of us, I am fully welcoming bandwagon Browns fans from around Cleveland, from across the country. Come on. More the merrier. We are not selective. We're not mad at you for not being a lunatic like us and following dismal football and being miserable every Sunday, that makes perfect sense. We're not like, oh, you front runner. No, I don't blame you for not wanting to watch bad football up until now. We invite you to come and enjoy it with us now and no judgment. Hop on board. No matter what happens in Cleveland, it's always going to be a hell of a ride. It was and still is and always will be a Brownstown. Welcome to this. I have to start it by saying, I guess, thanks for the year 2020. Because the year 2020, because we all learned how to use Zooms and all these other different ways, we were able to put together a production without ever being in the same room. So so I think the Kevin Jones of the world um, and all the people that have been innovative enough and willing enough to try to do something without any of us ever shaking hands, any of us ever being in the same state, um, interviewing people all across the country, it's taken great patience from a lot of people in a lot of different places. Um, I have to say thank you to Ethan Moses, who drove around uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and Hinkley, Ohio, and other parts of Ohio, dropping off equipment left and right for us. Um, my family, my wife, and my kids. Um, my wife feared this as I started a baseball season and did this at the same time, and I'm probably going to be in debt for her the rest of my life. <laughs> um, I appreciate Kevin Jones for giving us, and I mean this, for giving us all us young kids and old kids or however we look at this, a place to put our visions out, a place to be able to write out things that we've been dreaming about doing our whole lives. I appreciate this moment. Peter, I appreciate everything you've done for us. Harry, you've been great for us as well. And thank you to everybody out there that's been willing to take some time out to listen to something a little bit different. Brownstown is hosted and reported by me, Andre Knott. Produced and written by Harry Swartout and Peter Moses. Edited by Isabel Jocelyn. Music by Brian Decker. Production coordination by Devin Shepard. And production assistance by Miriam Khan, Michael Ehrlich, Shwepa Surendran, and Zach Jackson. Brownstown is a Blue Wire podcast and executive produced by Peter Moses and John Yells. See you next time.